So, Malachi chapter 4. Did I send you there? Most people call it Malachi um, chapter 4. It's the very last book of the Old Testament. In fact, it's the very last verses of the entire Old Testament is where we're going to go for a moment. And we're going to go a, a, little, bit of, a little bit of a tour around. I want to... Um, I'm going to say bring into land, but I really don't know if we're coming into land yet. On some of the stuff we've been talking about, uh, about over the last couple of months, um, and at, once we kind of land the message, part of our response time tonight is we're going to share in communion. So if you're wondering what the table up the back is, um, we're actually going to share in communion as part of our response time tonight. And um, if you've never experienced our kind of banquet communion, you'll be like, hang on, there's a whole lot more than like bready kind of stuff and juice. Um, we have this love of God's house is a house of abundance and, you know, he prepares a table before you in the presence of our enemies. And so we, yes, we have the bread and the juice there at the centre of it, um, but we have all this other stuff as well because we want to kind of feast on God's abundance. That's part of, part of how we like to do that. We'll, we'll get there very, very shortly. But I want to um, kind of bring into Lance... And like I said, when I say bring into land, I may mean just do the next bit and there'll be more next time. We'll see. We'll just kind of see where we go. Um, on this whole spirit, the, the spirit of adoption, um, Isaiah 61 and our vision. So we are going to end up in Isaiah 61 and Luke chapter 4, which is the same stuff. At some point, let's see how we go. And I've got to do this super fast. So Malachi, who's the Italian prophet, that is once again a dad joke. Um, that clearly is not at all funny. Oh, thanks, Wazza. Wazza appreciates it. <laughs> Don't encourage him, says Nathan. That's a wise kid right there. Um, Malachi chapter 4. And verse uh, 5. Thank you. Whoever's verse said, whoever's, that was you, Vaughan. So this is Malachi prophesying, and this is what closes out the Old Testament. He says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And here's what he will do. Now, keep in mind, at the time of writing, Elijah had already been. So it's an interesting thing to say that I will send you the prophet Elijah, but more on that in just a second. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a curse. So we've been going after this, this spirit of adoption over the last few months because it actually sits at the heart of the ministry of Jesus. And what we're about to see in just a second is it actually prepares the way for the full ministry of Jesus. So he says... I will send the prophet Elijah before you, before the coming great and dreadful day of the Lord. And if you pick it up in, in Luke chapter 1, it says that he will, this, whoever this thing, whoever this Elijah who is to come, will prepare the way of the Lord. Now, what we know is that this is actually a, um, a prophetic signal of the ministry of John the Baptist that's going to come. But before we go there, I want to get the I want to I want to pick up something here. Actually, do I want to pick up something here, or do I want to? No, let's go to Luke chapter one for a second. It's only a couple of books over, and verse thirteen. Luke chapter one, verse thirteen, and so this is John, this is foretelling the birth of John the Baptist. 
Now hang with me. I just want to build a little bit of a picture as we go here and then you'll kind of, all things will become exceedingly clear very shortly. So this is the angel talking to Zacharias, who was the father of John the Baptist, foretelling that John the Baptist is going to be born. It says, the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Now, here it picks up the prophecy from Malachi. Verse 16, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. There it is. In the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So this prophecy in Malachi, Malachi, I've got Malachi so stuck in my head that even when I'm trying not to say it, it's still what comes out. That's how deep the dad jokes run um, in me. It's because I'm a, are you cooking pasta? Oh, you're cooking me. All right, got it. Um, He is coming in the spirit and power of Elijah and he's going to turn the hearts. What I want to ask the question for a second is, why is it that the spirit and power of Elijah turns the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, which is essentially this adoptive love, this this father-son, mother-daughter paradigm that we've been talking about over the last few months. To understand this, I'm going to go back to 2 Kings. I know we've done a little bit of a jump. Hang with me. Won't take that long. 2 Book of Kings. There it is. Chapter 2, second book of Kings, chapter 2. So where this story is, for those who have uh, seen this movie before, is Elijah, the prophet, is about to be taken up into heaven. Elijah has been followed around by essentially his apprentice, Elisha. And Elisha has been told that he needs to... It'll unpack in the story in just a second, but he needs to stay with Elijah if he's going to inherit his mantle. So let me start reading from... um, Let me go from verse 1, just to pick up the story. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here please for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master um, from over you today? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. And Elisha said to him, Elijah, please, sorry, Elisha, Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And so on it goes, it's like, nah, and Elisha's going, I'm going over here, not leaving you. I'm going to the bathroom, not leaving you. It's, it's that kind of thing. Of, and what's happening here is Elijah is putting a test, is will you obey the word of the Lord? Will you stick with him no matter what? Um, but he said, verse four and a half, no, it's five, six, Six and a half, thank you. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And 
there's some language here I want you to pick up. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle. So his mantle was a, like a cloak. But we, it's a word that we use to, to um, symbolize the anointing. But in this case, it was a cloak that in what you're, this is why we see it symbolized as the anointing or the power of the Holy Spirit on someone. Now, Elijah took his mantle, struck the water. It was divided this way and that. In other words, it was divided in two so that the two of them crossed on dry ground. So this was another little parting of the waters moment. You know, Moses did it, Joshua did it, Elijah did it. Um, and so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elijah, ask what I may, be, may do for you before I'm taken away. Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. In other words, what Elisha is asking for is double the anointing that was on Elijah. Now, if you read Elijah, this is the guy that that took down the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, who single-handedly took down hundreds and hundreds of demon-possessed prophets. This is that guy. And Elisha is saying, I want twice what is on you, on me. Okay, this is... There's a good Australian saying for that. Um, Well, not bonkers. (laughs) No, this is courageous. I'll use that one. This is courageous. Some of you know what I mean. Um, So Elijah said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with the horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father. Now, here's what I want to know. What is Elijah known as in Scripture? Not a trick question. Say it louder. Yes. (laughs) It's like, oh, I'll say it confidently. Yes, he was known as a prophet. So why did Elisha say, not say, my prophet, my prophet. He said, my father, my father. We're starting to get a bit of an idea into the spirit and power of Elijah and why this is linked to the turning of the hearts of the fathers. In other words, there's something about the way and the spirit that was on Elijah and the way that he operated that we often don't see. We think of the spectacular stuff, but there was something else. He cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. He took hold of his clothes and tore them in two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him, went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. So this is the coat cloak thing. And he struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? In other words, he's now, this wasn't wasn't just a, where the heck is he? This wasn't that. This was a prophetic statement that says, I am now picking up the mantle of Elijah. I know I've fulfilled the word of the Lord. And he's expecting the waters to part in front of him. That, that, that when he's saying, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He's not asking a question. He's actually making a prophetic declaration as he strikes the water. And when he also struck the water, it was divided. It says this way and that in the New King James. It was divided into and Elisha crossed over. Now when this, here we go. Did you pick up this language before? Now, when the sons of the prophets, here's that language again. When the sons, I don't believe this is just the natural children. This is, there's this father-son paradigm going on in the ministry of Elijah that results in the spirit and power of Elijah turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. 
Now, when the sons of the prophets who were with Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. They said to him, look now, there are 50 strong men with your servants. This was the result of Elijah's fathering. Now that there was 50 prophets that Elijah had not just trained, but had fathered because they were called the sons of the prophets. Are you getting the picture here? So the spirit and power of Elijah was not just this um, power, you know, like I can hear what you're saying in your bedroom when I'm somewhere else. And, you know, I can prophesy this, I can bring down Mount Carmel. There was that. But the nature and the essence of that power was this father-son thing that raised up sons of prophets, not just other prophets. Otherwise, why did Elisha say, my father, my father? Why didn't he say, my prophet, my prophet? Get the idea? Okay, now, back to Luke chapter 1. And let me just make this point again. So Luke 1, 17, it says, he will go before him. Now the him he's talking about there is Jesus. He's talking about the Messiah. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. This is what John the Baptist will do to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Okay. Why are we talking about this father, son, mother, daughter thing so much? I hear you ask. Thank you. Good. We're responsive enough to get that far. This is good. This is good. Because this is what the prophets prophesied would proceed or make a way for the full tilt ministry of Jesus. So if you want to look at the the progression, and if you're thinking, hang on, well then John the Baptist has come, that's fulfilled. Jesus in Mark chapter 9, if I've got this right, They were asking him about, you know, are you Elijah, all of that. And he said, you know, Elijah has, you know, Elijah will come and has come. In other words, this whole spirit and power of Elijah thing wasn't just something that finished with John the Baptist. He said, there is a spirit and power of Elijah that is to come as well. And what that thing does, that that thing that turns the hearts of the fathers to the children and to the children to the fathers is it opens the door and prepares the way for Jesus to do his full thing. Now, the spirit of, the, of Elijah turns the hearts. It's actually a heart ministry. It turns the hearts, not just the heads, not just the actions, not just the behaviours. It, it, it transforms the heart in such a way. And the word there for heart, and the, the, it's the, the expression used, and it's used again in Luke chapter 4, which is what we're about to look at, is this idiom in the Greek language that essentially put together means it puts its back in its originally right created state. So the spirit and power of Elijah will come and the result of this heart ministry will see fathers and sons actually connect with each other as fathers and sons. Now, I'm using that language. I'm not excluding mums, mums and daughters or anything. It's just, it, it's, there's a whole lot of things tied up in why it was called that that's more to do with inheritance, inheritance than it is gender. Just like I'm the bride of Christ as well. 
But this connection of fathers and sons opens up the way for Jesus to come and do his thing. Now, our typical thinking and my good evangelical thinking that I grew up with lead me to think, well, if I can just get them saved, the rest will take care of itself. If I can just get them to encounter Jesus, then woohoo, then yeah, we can get their families restored, we can get all of that, we can get all of that stuff restored. Now, that can happen. And so don't stop trying to lead people to Jesus. Okay? We're clear on that. What I want to suggest, if we want to make it easier to lead people to Jesus, is to start where scripture starts. And that is we start ministering to the hearts of people. And then that opens the way and prepares the way of the Lord so he can come in and do his thing. You're looking funny at me. I get that a lot. Now, let's jump over to Luke chapter 4. Now, this, is, this will be very, very familiar because... This is the quote where Jesus reads from the scroll from Isaiah 61. And what's our church named? Oh, thank you, Sophie. And where does that come from? Okay, good. We've got that far. Excellent. Yes. So, Luke chapter 4. There it is. I was about to say, where has it gone in my Bible? I've got two different Bibles and the other one, it's in a different spot. You know how you remember verses by where they are on the page? Does anyone else do that? You, thank you. At least I'm not the only one. So Jesus gets up and reads the scroll, Luke 4, 8, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. This is the line I want us to get. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now, we talk about wanting to be an apostolic church. That word sent, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted is the word apostello. And we know apostle literally means sent one. So the very first apostolic commission that we have in Scripture is actually to heal the brokenhearted. It is the very first commission. And like I said, that word to heal the brokenhearted means to take um, the, the broken piece... Um, the word there is like when, when a rock is struck with something huge and it's shattered into pieces. That, that, that's the image of brokenhearted, is that that broken bit is, it's splintered into pieces as a result of some kind of you know, massive impact. And again, the hearted, the Greek word cardia is essentially an idiom, yeah, cardia as in cardiology is you know, the study of the heart. So it is the word heart, but the essence there, again, as I said, is to put it back in its rightful place. So Jesus said this was his ministry. So John the Baptist has a heart ministry of bringing in this, if you like, spirit of adoption that we have been talking about that starts to then turn the hearts of the fathers to children. In other words, fathers start acting in a fathering heart. And sons are responsive to that. And there is this two-way flow of connection and that opens the way and prepares the way of the Lord. And then Jesus comes and says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He has sent me. So get, get the language because we often miss this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He says, he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So he's anointed me to do that, to preach the gospel. And then he has sent me. So he's anointed me to do this and sent me to do that. 
He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. How? He has sent me. He has, he has given me an apostolic commission to go and heal the brokenhearted. You, you with me? Yeah. I'm preaching myself into a fever here and I'm not about to stop yet. It will soon, but... Now, just in case you think, well, that's cool. That's the ministry of Jesus. Here's what I want us to get. John 20, 21. Anyone have a clue what it says? You're in the right, you're in the right field. John 20, 21. I'll give you a clue. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's about to do a, you know, relatively spectacular exit. Not quite as spectacular as, thank you. You looked it up though, you cheated. Yeah, of course. Yeah, okay, you didn't say, yeah, all right, fair enough. Next, Jesus says to those who were with him, he said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So if you think, hang on, okay, well, that was the ministry of Jesus to come and heal the brokenhearted. Jesus, my heart's broken, come. Okay, he wants to do that because freely you have received, then freely you can give. But that same commission is on you and me. We have been sent to heal the brokenhearted. And there is a flow. It starts with getting this spirit of adoption, this, 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 this heart of fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, like this flow between both generations, but also um, all the stuff we've been talking about in terms of the adoptive heart um, and the spirit of adoption over the last few months. All of that, we keep banging that drum, A, because yes, we want to see genuine love and genuine growth and all of that. But the flow here says that is what prepares the way of the Lord. Good programs, as good as they are, don't do that. Restoring the connections and restoring that, that father heart, that father spirit, and, that, and then that spirit of sonship, which we've talked about as distinct from the orphan spirit. When we, get, when we start to minister out of that, we prepare the way of the Lord. I want to suggest opens the door to a much bigger harvest and a much deeper and much more wholesome harvest that will stay the journey. Because that's what scripture says prepares the way of the Lord. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Was I? Can you? I was about to say, can you throw up? Can, yeah, thank you. <laughs> now, this, this, may, this may look familiar to some of you. It may look unfamiliar to some of you. But this is essentially Isaiah 61, which is where Luke 4 comes from, pulled apart. And it starts on the left-hand side with all of the negative results that you see in Isaiah 61. The poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, the prisoner, mourning, despair, shame. That is, there are all the negative results that you see if you read Isaiah 61 and, and even that part in Luke chapter 4. And down below there, all of those bits of brokenness are the result of absent or distorted love. And our job... Our commission is to minister to people in such a way that all those positive results on the, whoops, I'm looking at it up there, on that side, freedom, release, favour, crown of beauty, garment of praise, oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendour, and so on we go. Instead of their shame, they'll receive a double portion, everlasting joy with theirs. 
That is the ministry of Jesus, to take people from there to there. And all the stuff in the middle is just some of our, if you like, our society's stuff that we, that, that we look at as we move people from one side to the other. Now, Jesus came to heal all of that. And he has sent us with his spirit on us to do exactly that. So I want to suggest something. If we are going to be effective in this commission, we need to get that stuff out of us. Wow, I'm just really feeling the support on that, just the, the loud amens. So watch out for that. You could trip. This stuff over here, or if you're looking at it on this one, over here. No. <laughs> I know I'm a total sucker for that stuff. But that is the stuff that Jesus came to heal. And he has sent us with the same commission to heal that stuff, to go and love the world in such a way that that stuff gets healed. If we're going to do that effectively, I want to suggest we need to get that stuff out of us. Thank you, Nathan, for your support there. But as well... One of the reasons we need to get that stuff out of us, see the word safety and belonging? They were the four things that we need around our community, presence and power, safety and belonging, and then equipping and sending. Without that place of safety and belonging, the world has nowhere to come to get their broken hearts healed. Hurting people hurt people. Whole people heal people. Did anybody say that again? Okay. Hurting people hurt people, whole people, heal people. When we have a community full of people who are on the journey of wholeness, we become a very safe place for the world to come and do the same. And if there's one thing the world needs, we talked about this a few weeks ago, is a place to just come and fall apart. You know, the most exhausting thing in the world is when you feel like you've fallen apart, but you have to kind of hold it all together. It's really, really exhausting. And what the world needs is a place of safety and belonging where they can come and fall apart and be loved back to life. Thanks, Was. You can pull that down now. Now, I want to suggest that the world is very, very hungry for this. So in my, my business world, I get to do some really fun stuff. And when I say fun, it's like super messy, but it's kind of cool. Um, and what I'm finding at the moment is, you know, I'm actually doing one of them this week um, up in North Queensland where we, the tools that we use in these workshops with all of these leaders um, are basically designed to, you know, bring out their childhood pain, put it on the table and help them sort through it because when you're leading dysfunctionally, it's often a result of something that's happened back here somewhere. And the moment people get a glimpse of, you can help me make sense of my life, you can help me deal with that, you mean that's why I did that? That's why I behave like that? That's why I lose my temper all the time? That's why I have this addiction? That's when, when, when people see that, they can't get enough. 
Like when we get serious about this commission to heal the brokenhearted and not only get ourselves healed, but learn the skills to heal others, there will not be enough space in any building around here to hold the number of people that want to come and get that. At the moment, because of how people feel about church, it's a whole lot easier for me to go out somewhere where they're not expecting it. And all of a sudden, they, they go, how can I have more of this? And some of them even go, well, I don't care. I'm going to pay for it myself if my organisation's not going to. Like, they are that hungry for this. And we go, well, you know, it's hard leading people to Jesus. And it's hard, yeah, but how do you bring the confidence? Yeah, okay, yes, we can learn a whole lot of stuff there. But you know what? When we start helping people make sense of their heart, their life, their brokenness, help people see the links and start putting their broken hearts back together, oh, my gosh. You can't keep people away from that. It's like, well, did you include Jesus in the conversation? Not always, sometimes. I know that messes with some people's heads. But let's start, where scriptures start, prepare the way of the Lord. Let, let, let's deal with the stuff. Yeah, interesting thing, turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Every, like crime st- statistics basically everywhere in the world, there's something like 90% of males who are in prison are fatherless in one way or another. Whether dad was deeply dysfunctional on drugs and violent and not there himself or um, just wasn't there at all. Fatherlessness breeds every possible social epidemic. As we restore the hearts of fathers to actually start fathering, all of a sudden we start to heal the world. Now... I remember, I don't know if you remember this phone call, Megs. Um, I just run a three-day program up in the Hunter Valley where it's one of my favourite ones where we really get to pull people's stuff apart and we had just had some unbelievable stuff happen. It was just so fun. Um, and on this one, someone said, I've been in 10 years of freaking counselling. They, they said it a little more colourful than that. Um, and in two days, we've sorted out all this stuff and I feel like I can actually... I feel like it actually, I'm dealing with this and now I can walk forward. I've been stuck for 10 years despite I've paid an awful lot of money on therapists. And I remember, like, I did, that, that just stirred me up. And I remember on the way home, I rang you and I said, I've got to tell someone, Deb's not answering the phone, no one else is, and Megan will always answer the phone. <laughs> you can take it that way if you like, but you were high on the list. You were high on the list. There is the, tar- the turning the children toward the fathers too. We can work on that. <laughs> Babe, can you set Josh's bed on fire before he gets home, please? Um, and I was so stirred up by the stuff that happened. And one of the things I said is we have to raise up an army of heart healers. We have to raise up an army of heart healers. Now, is this just some kind of corporate thing? Hell no. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And what I want to put in front of us today, like this is our name, I-61, it is our name. It's part of our DNA. It's part of our commission. But this is not just something Deb and I and Vaughan and Megan and um, John and Sam and, you know, key leaders, all of these people are called to do. This is all you're all. This is what we are all called to do. We are all called to go. We have been sent with an apostolic commission to heal the brokenhearted. That's where it begins. 
And so I'm calling us up today. There's a reason we've been doing all the stuff that we've been doing. And it's for our benefit, yes. But it doesn't just stop at our benefit. We've been sent out there to heal the brokenhearted. And when we, when we get this and when we do this well, nothing will stop people flooding in. As long as, I was looking back for the pit, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, I was, as long as we are willing to, <laughs> as long as we are willing to deal with the stuff that makes us unsafe. So that we have a bunch of whole people who heal people. So we're not just here to do church, as fun as that is. I really enjoy hanging out with you guys. This is good. I like this. But it's not the end game. Jesus did not die and rise again so that we could do church every Sunday until we die. We actually have a commission. And I really want to get on with it. And I can't do it by myself. I need you. I need you to step up. I need you to, to jump on the thing. I need you to... to Get in a room with your stuff and let's walk the journey. Because the moment you do that and someone you're talking to on the street says, oh, yeah, things are a real struggle at the moment. You go, you know, it doesn't have to stay that way. Oh, really? Yeah, let me tell you a story. I was there. Interested in what happened? All of a sudden, I've now turned a conversation to Jesus that was nowhere near it simply because I've learnt to deal with crap. And all of us have got crap. All of us have got pain. And when we work through it, it's simple enough to go, hey, let me tell you what happened for me there. We're going to go and share in communion. And, and then once we've done with communion, I want to, anyone who wants prayer around this, I, I want to give you a chance um, some of you may remember earlier this year, back in February, I talked about a prophetic word that came from Chris Reed and Mike Bickle about when the prince shall pass, it will be 418 at last. Some of you will remember that. If you don't remember, go back to the podcast. It was called I-61 and the, and the Kingdom Season. Something. I-61 and the Kingdom Season. And it was posted on the 17th of February this year. So if you didn't hear that, can I encourage you, go back and have a listen to that because there's no way I have time to un unfold that right now. So not only is Isaiah 61 and, and Luke chapter 4, which we just read, is it part of our name? It's part of our call. And actually, Sandra Selma Kirsten, who some of you will remember, who is one of the chief, or she is the chief global teaching person for Elijah House Ministries. Elijah, yeah, turning the hearts of the fathers to the, all that, you know, all that prayer ministry stuff. When she came and spoke, one of the first things she says is, the Lord says to you, you are named well. This prophetic word, that, and the prince, it was talking about Prince Philip. When prince shall pass, it's the season of Luke 4.18. And the characteristic of Luke 4.18 is that we will heal the brokenhearted. So this is not just a now name for us as a church. This is a now word prophetically. And please go back and get that because I'm not going to be able to do it the justice it needs right now. But when you hear that, you'll get it. Katie and James and I and... 
Well, Ben and Anna were there, of course. That was it from here, wasn't it? Because Megan was sick, Deb was sick. Who else? Oh, Josh was there, of course, as well. And Daniel was, yeah, COVID, stupid damn virus. Um, went up to Byron Bay two weeks ago when we weren't here to see Ken Fish. If you haven't heard of Ken Fish, Ken was one of the chief teaching guys who hung around John Wimber. And, that, and John Wimber's the one who birthed the vineyard movement. And many of us have roots in some way um, in the vineyard movement, whether it was through Dayspring, which originally was vineyard, or been connected through, you know, to vineyard in some kind of way. Um, Ken was there in the beginning, you know, with the John Wimbers, the Jack Deers. Um, and this guy packs an absolute punch. Now, he happens to be friends with Chris Reed and Mike Bickle, who first released this prophetic word. And one of the things he did two Saturdays ago was he actually unpacked that whole word. And then he said, I'm going to lay hands on you and pray for an impartation of, of this 418 anointing. Now, you have, a lot of you haven't met Ken yet. We're going to have him here. But he has one of the most powerful deliverance and healing anointings I've ever seen, as well as one of the most profound... Um, teachers of the Bible in terms of his depth and accuracy. Um, and James and Katie, we, we all got our hands laid on as an impartation for that Luke 4.18 anointing to heal the brokenhearted, and we'd like to share. Yes. Okay? <laughs> that prayer put me flat on the floor. <laughs> I was down. Um, it, was, it was something really significant. And if you are up for that and you're like, yeah, count me in on this, we would love to release an impartation to you from something that we received. And if you understand, that came from the source of the word, um, which carries a massive impartation. But before we go there, I want, us to, I want us to respond with communion. And as we take communion, Isaiah 53 verse 5, when it talks about the cross, it says, by his stripes or by his wounds, as in actually the stripes were part of the whip when he was whipped, but the wounds when he was nailed to the cross. It says, by his wounds or by his stripes, we were healed. It talks about forgiveness and sin and all of that stuff. And then it says, and by his wounds, we are healed. So his wounds heal our woundedness. As we come to communion, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a moment with Jesus yourself. And I want you to recognise his body and his blood paid the ultimate price for you to know healing and wholeness. So often in communion, we focus on the forgiveness of sin bit. And look, without that, we're all stuffed. Let's be real, okay? So I'm not in any way wanting to discount that. Without that, we're all deeply stuffed. But that's not the only thing that the cross paid for. The cross paid for your wholeness, to heal your broken heart. And so as you take communion, I want you to do two things. Firstly, I want you to sit with the body and blood and just say, Jesus, I recognise your body was broken, your blood was shed to bring me wholeness. And Jesus, I want to ask your blood and your healing to touch and you name the area where you know you need healing. Okay, and just say, Jesus, as I take your blood into my body, I receive your healing into that place in my heart that is hurting and broken right now. You know, it may be generational mess that goes way back. It may be situations now that are painful and hurting. But I want you, as you sit with the emblems, to recognise the price was paid for your healing. And say, Jesus, as I take this, I recognise your body was broken, your blood was shed, that I might know wholeness. And I invite that healing power to come, not just into my body, that too, but into my heart. And to heal my broken heart.
and then simply just for a few minutes, just turn and pray for each other and just pray for, for his body, sorry, and for his blood to touch every area. And you don't have to share anything. Just turn to someone and just say, Jesus, I just pray every broken area in their heart that your blood and the power of the cross and the resurrection would touch those places now and that you would bring them to a place of healing. Okay? And then, you know, from there we can kind of share all the feasting and all of the stuff that, that goes with it. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to release you to do that. And then at the end, I'm going to give us a chance um, if you're up for it and you want it to, to pray for some impartation. So Jesus, we, whew, we recognize that what you did on the cross was not just some transactional thing. It wasn't just, a, all right, I'll look over that bad stuff. It wasn't just about our sin, even though it was all about that. <laughs> We receive that. We accept that. We also know that by your wounds, by your stripes, we are healed. In other words, we are made whole. Our broken heart that you came to heal gets put back together because of the power of the cross. Jesus, we recognise that when you hung on that cross, that you not only carried the weight of the sin of the world, but you carried the weight of the brokenness of the world. No wonder you died before the other two because the weight that you were carrying is more than anyone can imagine. We have trouble carrying our own stuff, let alone everyone who ever has and ever will walk the earth. But we recognise that in your sacrifice we can find wholeness. And Jesus, we make choices right now to step into that wholeness to step into that healing power. God, thank you that even if we were the only person on earth and there was no one else to reach, you'd still do this for us. And you've also given us your spirit to go out and to heal the world of its brokenness and pain. But first, we want to stop and recognise you did it for me and we want to receive your healing touch. And I just ask as we do this, God, that you would move amongst us, that you would touch hearts deeply where there's been depression, anxiety, despair and hopelessness. God, that you would bring hope, you would bring healing and that your perfect love would chase away every fear. In Jesus' name. Okay, I just want you to take a few minutes. Like I said, the the emblems are up the back. Um, I want you to go and at least make sure that you get the bread and the cup The rest, you know, kind of works around that. Bread's in the middle, the cups are over there. Take a moment just on your own to say, Jesus, I just recognise you came for me and I want to invite your healing power into my heart. And then after you've done that for a couple of minutes, just turn and pray for each other, just really simply. Jesus, would you touch them? Would you touch their heart? And every, every area that you want to touch and heal, would you do that? Okay, let's go there and then I'll bring us back together in a few minutes. take a few minutes to just pray with whoever's next to you or around you. Let's make sure no one's on their own. Just have a look around you. And just take a moment and pray that they would experience the healing touch and the healing presence of Jesus. All right, let me pray over us all. 
Jesus, thank you for what you paid for. God, you, you, you purchased our sin and you also purchased our brokenness. And Father, I ask that today that every area of brokenness, those that we know about and those that we don't know about, Father, we just ask them to be the targets of your healing power and your love. God, we open our hearts to being fathered and mothered well. We open our hearts to being fathers and mothers to those around us. We invite that spirit that makes us whole, the spirit of Jesus to come and to touch us. That we might feel safe on the inside and then we might create safe places of love and belonging for the world around us that so badly needs and wants it. And Jesus, we recognise you've commissioned us to go and to heal the brokenhearted. And if that's you, just in your own heart, actually, no, do it out loud. Just say, yeah, I say yes to that. Jesus, I say yes to your commission to go and to heal the brokenhearted. Equip me, help me, heal me, empower me to be that agent of healing that you have created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right. We are, like, in terms of the formal part where, you know, like, don't go home yet, that bit's done. If you need to go, you are free to go. But here's the offer. Um, if you are saying, look for, you know, the 418 anointing, that anointing to heal the brokenhearted. If you want an impartation, if you're saying yes to that and you want prayer and an impartation around that, I want you to come join me down the front and we're going to pray. See, that is what I'm talking about right there. Whoa. Ooh, that was quick. Ooh. So if you want an impartation, come on down. If you need to go, you are free to go. We'll end the live stream there um, to bless you. And actually, let me just pray for anyone who's on the live stream right now. Keep receiving, Kate. For anyone who's on the live stream that's saying, yes, I receive, yeah, bring that. I just pray right now that impartation would be released through the airwaves for the impartation of that anointing to heal the brokenhearted, that the same spirit that is on Jesus to heal the brokenhearted is on you and He has sent you and He has called you. And we in the name of Jesus say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive and then be equipped to go. Be filled with power. Be filled with fresh power in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right, bless you on the live stream. We'll keep praying here. So if you're wanting that, come on down and we would love to pray for you.